0: You all know how I feel about New Year's resolutions. I hate them. (laughs) They're just an excuse to beat yourself up, or they're an excuse for me to beat myself up. So I said intentions. And 2019 could be your year of intentions, too. It could be about slowing down, being mindful, and being kind to yourself. It's not that you would accomplish more, but you might be more. And that is why I am excited to announce a partnership with Calm, the number one app to help you meditate, sleep, and relax. Practices like meditation and prioritizing sleep and self-care can leave you feeling more rested. So you have the energy to go out and do whatever it is that you intend to do, putting your oxygen mask on first. If you head to calm.com slash friends, you'll get 25% off a calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programs, including guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus, and including a brand new meditation called the daily calm, which as you might guess is daily. There's also sleep stories, which are bedtime stories for adults designed to help you relax before you doze off. Head to the lavender fields of France with Stephen Fry or explore New Zealand with Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. For a limited time with friends like these, listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash friends. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash friends. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash friends. Give yourself the gift of calm and start 2019 off right. Hi, I'm Marie Cox and welcome to With Friends Like These, the show where we talk about the differences between us without letting them divide us most of the time. Sometimes, like last week, uh, those differences come close to dividing us. And sometimes, like this week, that's not really what the show is about. Sometimes I sort of use this show to talk to people I think are interesting without having a super good idea of what it is we're going to talk about. I hope that you will agree, Mina Kimes is interesting. She is a senior writer for ESPN The Magazine, where she covers primarily the NFL, but as she puts it, she's on all the shouty shows too, so she winds up having to talk about basically every professional sport there is, even though she admits she doesn't know that much about hockey. We wound up talking a lot about the thing I thought we'd talk about, which is what it's like being a progressive, modern feminist who loves football. Um, It's problematic, you might say. But we also wound up talking a lot about how she covers football and how I cover politics. It turned out to be a kind of joint Interview, which I think is the best kind, maybe. In any case, please enjoy this little bit of a break from the political world, and instead think about the ways we bang our heads into each other on a field. Coming right up, Mina Kimes. So I googled you because I'm I do due diligence on my guests, right? Reporting, like, yeah, yeah, reporting. Yeah. Um, and you have a there's a source page for you where it identifies you as a senior writer at ESPN, the magazine, mm-hmm. which that's right. is like the Ohio State <laughs> University, I yes. assume. And it says your areas of expertise are NFL. Correct. Stadium financing. <laughs> what? I mean, yes, that's <laughs> a thing I have written about in the Sports past. Sports economics. Sure. And then my favorite one, amateurism. This has not been updated <laughs> in a minute, but those are all things I find interesting: amateurism and sports and politics. I like amateurism, like as a, somebody as a field, as just a, just, a, just generally. You know, not we're not talking about college sports, just amateurism. That's what I like about it too: is that like you're just yes. in, you just like know about amateurism. Like, amateur
1: Hour with Mina Kimes. <laughs> that would, would be, be a,
0: actually a pretty great, great podcast title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's basically what my podcast is: is Amateur Hour with Mina. That would Kimes. be a great NCAA like podcast. Yeah. Yeah, our book title. Yeah. Andrew All right, well, let's do our, it. Wow, um, somebody's going to really hear that and take us up on it. Uh, probably. Uh so I, I I brought you here today because you cover football. Correct. You are also a female person, I believe. <laughs> correct. Also correct. <laughs> you really did your research. I'm am, I'm am nothing if not dedicated to research. <laughs> um, I think mean, it's good to make sure Yes. You might hear people ask you about sports and politics. That is also one of your areas of expertise. Really? (laughs) I think you made that one up. It's right there. Okay. (laughs) I almost don't want to say the, the put all together in the same sentence the words can you keep politics out of sports? Because in even your areas of expertise there, like everything there, stadium financing and sports economics and amateurism. Those are all political issues. Deeply political. Watching, you're a college football
1: fan, right? Watching college football is kind of a political act, given all of the underlying issues, financial issues. Um, They're literally state institutions, right, that make choices
0: about how to spend or not spend their money. So, yeah, it's impossible to avoid. It's a political choice I'm not always comfortable with, to be perfectly honest. either. And we can talk about being a female football fan. But one thing that I know that you experience is that as a woman covering sports— it's never not political. Yes.
1: People always <laughs> ask me, the, you know, well, first of all, they, they always ask me, they look at you like you're an alien and like, what's it like being like a, a woman in sports and as though I'm being attacked at all points. And it's, it's really not that weird most of the time. But the thing that is unusual is that literally just existing and being on television and arguing with the other arguers, which I do, um, is, yeah, it's like a kind of a weirdly political act in itself, even regardless of what I say, even if I'm talking about something banal like the Chiefs defense, it's
0: still just the fact that I'm on TV is kind of shocking to people. And I also read an interview you did. I actually did do some research uh, where you you had been had had to have an opinion, I, I suppose, on Cam Newton's opinions about oh. <laughs> women, um, a female sports journalists. If people yeah. don't remember this, it was a year ago. He laughed at a female reporter. Right. Who was asking about
1: routes? And yeah. yeah and what do you right. know about routes? <laughs> I believe. <laughs> well, you sound just like. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and someone asked you though about about um, the sexism that you've encountered, and you said from players at least, yeah. you actually encountered more sexism when you covered business.
1: Absolutely. I, the industry, I there's there's trash everywhere and horrible things all the time, but very little of it is actually from players or even coaches. I think it's a lot um, from Fans and people who watch and read and also just in the business and in the industry, Um, the players themselves. And I think that's what I was was surprised about the Newton issue, because most of the players themselves are really, really great about talking to
0: me and other female reporters. Is it because that they're so good at the business that they're they're willing to talk to you? Do you think I'm curious if they talk to you because they know you work at ESPN, the magazine. Yes. I mean, <laughs> literally, they have to. toys. No like, you know, I, I was just talking to someone about this because I had and a And it's great... good for their business to be on good terms with any reporter. Anyway, yeah. No matter color, you know, yeah. gender, whatever. Like, if you were, you know, someone with very unusual—I don't know, like an alien. I'm going to say like an actual outer space alien. But you had your creden- credential from ESPN. Probably be nice to you. I They would be confused,
1: probably, <laughs> first. Um, But, yeah, no, I think— So I was just talking to someone about this, about talking to players about X's and O's stuff, like really, you know, nitty gritty football stuff. And I just interviewed some players for a story I was working on about DeAndre Hopkins. And I mentioned, oh, this guy was great. This guy was awesome. He really got into the details with me. And I I realized that actually a lot of these guys have grown up, especially guys I found from like the South, but everywhere is if you're a really serious, if you're an NFL player, often your mom, your aunts, they know way more about football by just osmosis and being around you than many of the people you encounter afterwards. So I think some of them are just used to being around women who know the game.
0: That's an insight I haven't heard before. But I would guess, yeah, especially in the South, too, where women are are interested in football just as much as men are. In fact, those moms know their stuff. The the sorority girls also. Like, it's not—they're not kidding around. Like, when you go to a a football game in the South, like, the tailgate's not just— guys x's and o's it's also like pretty like what the fuck were you doing like (laughs) they get into it yeah Yeah. um but i i want to go back to the politics part because something you said to me earlier was that you think the nfl and politics have become more intertwined lately because there's in some ways what happens in the nfl is is what happens in america
1: yes the nfl is unique from everything so i i talk about i bloviate about every sport on ESPN, basketball, college sports, hockey, and which I really don't know what I'm talking about when hockey comes into play. See, it is like covering <laughs> politics. Like, yeah. I mean, you just have an opinion. What's your <laughs> hockey? Like, what's the thing where you have to really fake your way through? You're like, yeah, hat. Trade There's, policy. Trade policy is your hockey. Yeah. There's like, like, like a few words I lean on yeah. a lot. Do you Protectionism. Have Ooh protection is that's that's me saying power play i'm like what a power play right that was a power play right all Um, right so but yes yeah, football so but football is my main main guy what's your hockey It's something i'm gonna have to remember for future reference what's your hockey do that hockey um so football is my my beloved my most beloved sport i grew up a crazy football fan and and i do a lot of stories on it and i talk about a lot and, and so but football is unique in that Everybody watches it. Um, I mean, seriously, it, it's crazy. And, and this came up a lot when we were talking about the protests during the national anthem, Colin Kaepernick. That became a massive story. NFL ratings, all of this. What I would just tell people is like, take this when, you, when you're talking about this, when you're thinking about it. Remember, f- the Super Bowl was watched by more than a hundred million people. Okay, like if you look at the demographics for who watches football, it's America. It's just you know socioeconomically, racially, gender, it just is so huge that it really, I think, has become a mirror for where the country is going and where society and some of the culture wars being fought outside of it because... When you look at the Kaepernick issue and the, the Anthony stuff. I am not
0: disagreeing. The look yeah, on my face no. is actually, I wonder how far you can push
1: that. Well, as I was gonna say, when you look at the polling, it almost aligns perfectly with most other political issues in the country, racial, just when you break it down by demographics. And again, that's just, football is so much bigger than any other sport in this country that I think it reflects that in some
0: ways. What the, the look on my face was sort of like speculative about, and there's I think you are probably correct, but there are interesting ways in which football bifurcates, right? There are ways in which football, which is we can't even – we probably need to be more specific about what we mean by NFL and professional football because there's players, there's owners, there's fans, there's the business of it, there's the the theatrics of it. Because on some level, like, there are players that are pushing the envelope in progressive – Direction, big time, you know, and not just kneeling during the national anthem, but the ways that they're doing community outreach, you know, the ways that they talk, the ways that they're being taken seriously in a way that I actually do think everyone owes a debt to Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, um, that they are when you put a microphone in front of an NFL player's face these days, he's going to if he wants to talk about politics, he's he's going to and he might have some interesting opinions. They're putting in the work, man. Yeah. I mean, Eric Reed, who
1: was a guy. Uh, a safety in Carolina who also, you know, it, it was there was a thought he was being blackballed as well and is suing the league. And but he's playing, actually. And every time he's asked about it, he has talked about history. And the. And when I say asked about it, I should be specific when he's asked about why he's protesting, why Colin Kaepernick's protested, um, what motivated them to do that and what they want to draw attention to, which is racial injustice in America. And, and they get way more granular than that. He will cite Conversations he's had with scholars and intellectuals, and books he's read, and that's all getting out there through NFL press conferences, which is crazy.
0: And they've also like pushed the players' association to like do actual work in communities. The and NFL, the NFL, to do they, it as well. They, yeah, push. Them so to this get is money. What I'm so there's this one part of it. I'm like, oh wow. I hope the the NFL is reflective of I, this. Hope that's a direction that we can go, where like also black men are being looked at as leaders, and mm-hmm. in a way. That has nothing to do with their performance on the field. That perhaps lends them credibility, but they're thought leaders in other ways as well. But then I also look at the owners, yeah, <laughs> who look like our White House. Yes, there, there is a real. There's no. There's. It's not a coincidence that Trump wanted to be an NFL owner. Well,
1: so, to go back to the Carolina and Eric Reed, so that that's a a team whose prior owner um, was. Accused of sexual harassment and sold the team. You know, at the same time, you could draw your own inferences about how all that went down. And the new owner who came in um, was much more open-minded, I, I suppose. And it's no coincidence that Eric Wright- Reid signed after there was a change in ownership in that on that team. So.
0: But in general, and what we're both, what I'm pointing out is that that's an incredibly conservative oh. group of people. Like inside group of people, it's a group of of white men. White men? Some women are in the mix As, when you look at but yes, it's yeah. it's all white. Yeah. Oh, um, no, pardon me. Uh, the Jaguars owner, Shad That's Khan, right. I was, I was, I was, I was yes. thinking there is someone that's yes. not white, but it's mostly white guys, and they're conservative in every way that you can imagine. A not, lot of them. Not just politics, but like their view of the world, it seems like, is resistant to change. That's what's I think the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, and in
1: all of these conversations that we're suddenly having vis-a-vis the NFL what it's sort of excavated in some ways is the dynamic you're referring to which is it's a league that is majority it's that's run and owned by non-white families and and men where 70% of the players are black and that's that has been the case for years but it, there is a tension there that's was unaddressed for a really long time. And then suddenly, when you have those owners making rules about how these players can or cannot express themselves and what it means, uh, all of those things come to the surface, and it took a really long time to happen.
0: Do you think there's other ways that the NFL is reflective of America? Well, I think—so— Going back, I keep going back to the comic everything, but I, part of the reason it's it was one so, of the biggest stories of the decade. The contrast with say. the
1: NBA is really interesting, right? Because so the NBA, you actually can't kneel for the anthem. It's literally it's in the rules. It's yeah. in the rules, but it was never it never became a controversy, right? And some of that is because their players' association has a really good relationship with the league because the players' association is you know run by guys like Chris Paul and LeBron who basically run the NBA, and that's structural. That's the nature of the game. They're not as fungible. There's Reasons for that, but it's also because of the audience. There's so
0: yeah. Be, there's fewer number of players. They have more power. Yes. There are fewer people that can play at the level of the NBA. Whereas like football, right. one of the reasons it looks like America kind of is it like bodies. You just need bodies on a field at some point. Yeah, and,
1: totally. And the the NBA. So Adam Silver, the commissioner, mm-hmm. of the NBA, his job's a lot easier than Roger Goodell's because of what we've been talking about. The NFL sort of reflecting the country. There's literally nothing he can do that will make. Everyone happy or even a majority of the fan base happy with regards to these issues, because, again, like America, they're completely split on them, whereas the NBA fan base, when you look at the demographics, it's very, very different. Very diverse and diverse, younger, younger all those things, Yeah, all those things.
0: Why do you think it is football that is America? Why not? Why not another sport? Because it's awesome. (laughs) I mean, I say this as someone who was also a huge fan, although I came to it later in life. So I I don't know if my we have different views about why it is, but why it's so awesome. I think we have a lot of the same reasons why we like it personally,
1: and we can talk about that. But um, a lot of it's just historical, you know, when the leagues were created and, you know, well, baseball was obviously older, um, but football kind of got a head start on the nba in this country and so i think it was a bit more entrenched um i don't know i mean like there's nowhere like football's popular everywhere in the country right not internationally which is where the nba is kind of outpacing them but um it's very hard to go somewhere and not find football fans in this country so
0: i have a theory well not theory i have ideas which have to do with the fact that, well, one reason I think that football isn't exportable is because it's just an expensive sport to put on. You know, like that's the, completely true. Yeah. It, it, a stadium, the number of people involved, the level, number, kind of equipment that you need, yeah. like all the padding and whatnot. Obviously, you really only need a football, but if you want to play as something that's even approaching a professional level, you're going to need all of the backup that comes with football. Whereas like baseball and soccer, you kind of can just play. Yeah. You know, but. I think there's something particularly American about football. I mean, I wrote about this a little bit about why I love it, and I think it's why America loves it, which is that the pace of it it is is both brutal and slow. Okay. Right? Like, everything happens at once. Yeah. And then there's some waiting around. That's a very good description (laughs) of football. (laughs) Then there's everything happening at once. Yes. And also, and this is more true in college football than professional football, but football is one of those sports where there can be changes in fortune, reversals of fortune, in in seconds. Like hmm. everything can change in, That's in on very one play. American, yeah. On one play. Right? So we were just talking about the game, I guess this will probably air at a different time, but let's say <laughs> the game that happened between the Rams and the Chiefs at some point it's in the history. A game changing game. A game-changing game changing yeah. game. Right? Like it was there was the Chiefs were dominant performing like yeah. throughout the entire thing, up until the last four minutes. It's thrilling.
1: It's <laughs> thrilling. And
0: it's violent. Yeah, it's thrilling some of those other sports. Yeah. And violent, um, easy to understand, right? You're saying that, but I I'm, I'm people who don't like football would not agree with you. Well I say that both as a compliment and not. Like I think that football for me, when you get down into the nitty gritty of it, it gets real complicated. And maybe you and I can have a sidebar later just off the air about defense schemes. Yes. I'm I would be thrilled. <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm actually being really stupid. Nicholas and you base. Let's get into it, because <laughs> I'm I'm like wait no I don't quite understand. Um, happy to. Uh, so when you get down nitty gritty of it, like it's really complicated. But the basic idea of it is, I see. You grunt and heave until you put the ball over the line. One side has to go this way. The other side has to go that way. Yeah, it's pretty clear. And just pe- bodies crashing into each other in order mm. to make that happen.
1: Yeah. So like if an alien. And saw me. I was like, "Hello, another alien." Yes, yeah. lot of aliens in this room. Saw football. They'd probably quickly understand. Whereas, like of what baseball, was going on. I yeah.
0: wonder how you would explain baseball. True. Right. <laughs> that's a good point. Like the ball goes way over there. Yeah. But you're running over <laughs> here. Yeah. And you're running in the what? Why can't you just run from here to here? Why do you have to run from there? Yeah. All the way over there. And you're like, why is this taking so long? That also would be. That's yeah. my. That's actually not just an aliens question. That's my question. That's my question too. <laughs> I also. You probably startle. could understand. You probably could get. Like basketball is also probably pretty intelligible, but I think the reason why that's not so supremely American is it's not as violent. Basketball? Yeah. And also because I think it doesn't have that quite as much that idea that everything can change in a second. And everything can be. What I. This is turning an honest soliloquy on. on I'm liking these theories. (laughs) There is something about the idea of downs. Okay. That to me is just really poetic and American. How so? Everything can get erased. Everything you've bad, you've done that's bad or that has failed. If you can just get ten yards, hmm. you can start over again.
1: That is, yes, I like this. I like this sort of American in quality, I guess, to the game. I never, I've never thought about that, but you're right because we like to erase our past. We like to like if we right. can do just that one good thing. There's a rebirth, yes, but then there are people in me who are like, I actually, you played really badly in the first three quarters.
0: Well, yes, <laughs> she doesn't really deserve that contract extension. <laughs> and and also like there are people who are like, if you if you have to scramble and get it on the third down every time, maybe you're not that good a player. But
1: it, so here's the thing: the yeah, I, I think you're really onto something with a lot of these ideas. I think it, it's all the reasons you mentioned: it's the innate qualities, it's the physicality, it's the history, the entrenchment, all of that. But these are the reasons why Americans are so protective of football and and why you, I, people say to me constantly stick to sports because they don't want the outside world intruding on their foot their football, the football. Yeah. And in a way that they I don't think other sports fans feel it to that degree.
0: They don't want to be reminded that the outside world is already and yes. has always boom intruded on their football.
1: And listen, I, I kind of to some degree, I get it because it's 2018 and. God knows we could all use some escapism, but you're absolutely correct. This has always been fundamental to the game. There's always been politics. These racial dynamics have always existed in this sport. People have just been able to ignore it for a long time.
0: And we should come back and talk about that. We'll take a quick break. Article is an online-only furniture company. By eliminating the layers of traditional retail, Article is able to keep prices low and quality high. There are no showrooms, no salespeople, just savings. It is beautiful, well-made furniture with Scandinavian simplicity, very modern and clean. And they are serious about shipping. No matter how many items, every order is shipped at a flat rate of $49. If you need help getting set up, Article has options for in-home delivery and assembly service. I have actually ordered several lamps from Article because, you know, I am now of an age where I don't do a ton of furniture shopping. I've been living in the same place for a while and it's kind of set up the way I mostly like it. And I was like, what what, what, what can I do to freshen things up? Light. I decided to change up the lighting and it's, Great, because I got to get a couple of different styles uh, for not very much money. And I'm gonna get to try things out throughout the house. I'm gonna, you know, see what a, a torchier can do in this corner and what my reading nook can look like if I have like a reading specific light. There are very different kind of models available within that general style of modern and clean. I encourage you to take a look at it, even if you think you don't need furniture, furniture. Because I think you'll be surprised at how easy it would be to like get a new end table or get a new lamp or get something that will just change things up enough to make you feel like you did something new. Article is offering my listeners $50 off their first purchase of $100 or more. To claim this, visit article.com slash friends and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash friends to get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Journalist Mehdi Hassan is known around the world for his televised takedowns of presidents and prime ministers. He hosts Upfront on Al Jazeera and is a columnist for The Intercept. And in his new podcast, Deconstructed, Mehdi unpacks a game-changing news event of the week while challenging the conventional wisdom in a tight 30 minute package, a little quicker than what we do here. He starts his show with his take on one topic and what the mainstream news is getting wrong or what context is being missed. And then he goes into a deep analysis in conversation with his guest or guests of the week. And get this his guests have included Judd Apatow, Bernie Sanders, and Hassan Minhaj. So he kind of covers the gamut, I would say, in terms of who you might be expecting. Um, it's everyone from comedians to politicians to for instance, Stefan Clark's fiance. So, you're going to hear from a lot of different people. And the show has covered such topics as the violence in Gaza from the perspective of Israeli activists against the occupation and, of course, police shootings, as through the eyes of the fiance of Stefan Clark. Also, he's talked about the dangers of John Bolton with former diplomats. As a Brit and a Muslim and immigrant based in Donald Trump's Washington, D.C., Mehdi Hassan gives a refreshingly provocative perspective on the ups and downs of American and global politics. Deconstructed is a show that cuts through political drivel and media misinformation to give you a straight take on one big news story of the week. It is out every Friday, just like this pod. You can listen and subscribe at TheIntercept.com slash Deconstructed or on any podcast platform. Something that's always fascinated me, and I mentioned to you before we started the interview, is the ways that covering sports resembles covering politics. I think covering politics is starting to resemble (laughs) covering sports in ways that are very kind of upsetting. There aren't as many cool like, bennies that come with covering <laughs> politics. Like, I don't get to go. There's no Super Bowl that I get to go to. Like, I don't think you can confuse, a, a like, a political conviction with Super Bowl, by the way. Not as much swag. Yes. Definitely. You, I was
1: so lucky to go to Minneapolis in two-degree weather. Oh, but it was That's fun. You had a
0: great time. Incredible Super Bowl, too. By the it, way. It, yeah. it was all those things. Um. um but what I see... Um, part of it is punditry. Like you were talking about being on the shows, the yelling mm. the yelling shows. Yeah. Um, that, to me, I cannot tell the difference sometimes between ESPN and, I will just say, a, a news channel.
1: They've borrowed a lot of the actual imagery from our shows, the thing with the, the running down the side, right? Yeah. So a bunch of the shows I'm on use that. It uh, was, I think, invented by a guy named Eric Reidholm, produces them, Around the Horn, Pardon the Interruption, Highly Questionable does one. There's a name for it. But anyways, I I see that all the time on political shows
0: now. Yeah, like the graphics that show you what's coming up next. Because if your attention span is that short, you're like, wait, I don't like this topic that they're covering for 30 seconds. What are they going to be covering 30 seconds from now? Yes. Right. absolutely. Absolutely. And then there is, we sort of referred to it in the previous segment, which is that having an opinion on something is like more important than take <laughs> the takes, do you guys oh my call god, them, the do takes. you guys call them takes cuz we wait, you didn't know that we call them takes i i'm really not in that world oh my god that's kind of endearing
1: wait but did you, the takes started with us and then went to you i think so or did so. it go vice versa i think it are prob- you a takes woman like me I used to be. You
0: got takes. I, I I am now very much in favor of cold takes. Cold takes. I'm I'm way into like the coldest takes. The, cold, <laughs> the,
1: <laughs> the coldest takes possible. <laughs> so well, let me. Can I? Sorry to completely flip this, but yep. is the same thing in politics that exists in sports, where. You're called out on getting takes wrong or does... Oh, my every- God. See,
0: actually, that's a should... You should be. <laughs> but there's no cost in politics, basically. Like, no for one digs up the, the old, like... very Every once in a while you see it, but, like, I do... Like, there is the mm. Freezing Cold Takes Twitter account that... special sports. For sports, yeah. There isn't one for politics. Someone should start Someone that. Someone should definitely start it. And it's not also as much of a pastime... You know, like, um, like you can really su- your you can your career can suffer a little bit or your people will think less of you if you repeatedly have bad <laughs> takes unless you're Stephen A. Smith. But anyway, um, <laughs> they have to be real bad. Like, so I, 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 I'm I, actually
1: on our expert picks page. Right. So I pick the NFL games. Nobody cares if I'm wrong. And for the most part, I'm fine on those. But no one's gonna be like, wow, Mina Kim, she picked the Vikings. You know, that's what an idiot. However, if I said was to say something like, you know, Darko is going to be the best basketball player, one of my colleagues <laughs> said, that people remember that. So you have to really get a take wrong for people to call you out on it.
0: Yeah, but like there are people like, well, I think in politics because everyone's so wrong all the time. <laughs> like we can't afford to call each other out for being wrong. Oh, so it's like a mutually like we should have destruction. Every, because like basically thing. everyone should have lost their jobs when Trump won. Like everyone. <laughs> Like or, you know, like there should be like the sports analog like, for that. There isn't. There isn't one. Mm, you know. Yeah, because I can't think of a time like <laughs> like a really crazy underdog. Well, and, I mean, like, like there's the like, Golden no State chance. Warrior um, Cavaliers, but. Some people pick the calves though, yeah. But some people pick the Cavs, number yeah. one. And also that happened in such slow motion. Yes, right. That there was like a—you had some time to change your mind, like to be like, you know what? I think the Cavs might do this. <laughs> Whereas like the night of the election, yeah, there were people getting it wrong. Which is like—I
1: don't know what the, what the sport's like. I don't think there—we have—we're certainly not the same level—well— also, it doesn't matter if I'm wrong about a sports team that wins and to the same degree that it does. Yeah. I think there are things people have takes on in sports that do have broader ramifications yes. and actually affect people. But picking the winners isn't one of them.
0: Yeah. And but we have bad takes on that, too. Another thing I think that on the takes front that's similar, I love it that you actually don't know much about my side of this so that we can have a really, whereas I think I know more. I think I know something I, about sports journalism. Sounds like it. Um, you are very much rewarded—the hottest take is the one that's like the unconventional, like— In sports, you mean, yeah. or in Oh, yours. no, 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 no. It's also in true. In yours, it's too. Uh, so me, I, too.
1: I actually read a lot of political coverage, but I don't watch any television.
0: That's Yes, my that's right. So I, I watch
1: zero cable
0: news. Right, and I think this is also another similarity. The takes that—the worst taking yes. <laughs> is on television. I don't see a lot of takes or Twitter. in, like, the New York Times, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's not—well— yeah. There's yeah. some takes, yeah. There's some, some takes, some gentle. Um, takes. but that you that you will be rewarded for the take that's like actually, hmm. you know, actually, um, uh, Trump is really liberal. Wow, like, Trump is great for, and also you got a. Lot, oh my god, this happened during live. Trump is actually great for LGBTQ people. That was a hot
1: take. I can think of some. That, that's a blazing hot take. My eyebrows are. <laughs> I think there are some. There are definitely sports analogs for that, but I don't think. People are rewarded for them um, because our most rewarded takers in our Mm -hmm. industry are more—and maybe this is true for politics, I'm curious to find out—are more rewarded for the performance of the take than the take itself, actually. Like, you alluded to my colleague Stephen A. Smith earlier— um, what makes him so successful he's, as a takesman? He's a theatrical is, taker. Yes. He, I mean, you, he, you can watch him with the sound off and it's the most entertaining thing. So I don't know if that's true in politics, but it's certainly true in
0: sports, television. I wish that were true in politics on some level. I wish we had more theatrical people that were also, because I will say Stephen A. Smith, like he's also smart and like puts some He knows his stuff. Yeah. Into things. Is there a Stephen A. in politics? That's such an interesting question. Like a really great a really performer. performer who also is some is also knows his like stuff like radio or something but maybe gets things wrong every once in a while but when he gets it wrong you see how he got there yeah. you know what i think is different is because the sports world you can have stronger opinions yes you can in politics you can but that you sort of cross a line like pundits aren't really supposed to have strong opinions well, they're supposed to have takes, but not opinions. This is another complicated issue in sports that certainly, I
1: think, applies to your Do you think people field? are just going to
0: listen? This is like our new podcast.
1: <laughs> Amateur Hour <Yeah. laughs> with Mina and Anna. Um, no, but which is um, bias is an issue with yes. sports. So I am a Seattle Seahawks fan. I came into sports. I used to be an investigative journalist, journalist. Um, in my old, more meaningful life, and now I do sports. But but but, but I was a I was born a Seahawks fan. I'm a li- li- lifelong one, and I can't hide it because I literally have a Super Bowl tattoo on my arm. You, okay, that's visible uh, in certain outfits when I'm on television. So I can't pretend like
0: oh, I wow. don't. It's very subtle. Thank you. Like I, classy, I, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it just it's the Roman numerals for. Yes, like, it's not a giant Seahawk. I was kind of hoping w- for
1: like a Seahawk, honestly. <laughs> I Even this, sometimes I look at it and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. But anyways, I can't hide that about myself. So there's this is a, a constant argument in sports is like, should someone like me even be allowed to talk about the Seahawks? And obviously in politics, you guys are, have literally, hit, the tattoos are not hidden for most people. You can pretty easily find out their allegiances. I like it. Um, do you think that Like, there's that same constant, like, search for the unbiased takester?
0: Yes. I mean, well, yes and no. I think that it's changing. Um, But for the most part, I think political journalism still fetishizes um, fair and balanced. Yes. Uh, And that a lot of political journalists feel like up until 2016, this is—2016 has changed a lot of things. Like, what is— The balance even. And also, if if someone is just lying, like, how do you show what's the other side of lying? Yeah. Right. Like if someone is just feeding you untruths. We don't have that. Yeah, you don't you because you also you got a lot more data than we do. I was gonna say, (laughs) usually
1: you can't you can't. It's it's and this is a big difference. I don't think there are certain fundamental truths in
0: sports where you can't both sides it. There's a lot,
1: actually, like many, many. And I don't. I'm like all
0: delighted. Like, <laughs> like yeah, there are, and there, I wish I think there are some in politics like people should be free. you know, it's bad to jail children like
1: but like, <laughs> but, but the, you
0: it, in your field people both sides, everything. people, both sides that like people yeah. both sides um, you know, putting putting children in cages, yes, and I, it has taken the horrors of this administration to kind of force some people who want to think of themselves as, bi- as bipartisan or as nonpartisan into, like, no, I have to actually say the thing I think is true here. Hmm. Um, and people, you know, I-, I mean, for me, I've never hidden where I stand on the political scale, but I definitely, I used to feel like I couldn't, like, directly advocate for things. Interesting. Like,
1: or that but if isn't I, it crazy that just simply
0: stating the truth is advocacy in the examples that you're— It is. Yeah. It is insane. Although I've gone, a, I've, I've gone a little further than that because I've started to believe, like, these things that are so wrong that I think are fundamental truths that when they get violated, not only do I have to say that's wrong, but that I can't stand by and watch it happen. Yeah. Um, and that I don't want other people to stand by and watch it happen. Like, I think if you also care about this— you should also do something about it. but probably crosses a line, but I don't know. This is, we're getting off topic. <laughs> no, I'm, well, there, again, to, there's it, some it's parallel. gotten,
1: well, it's your, your side has gotten a little bit deeper to the point where I feel like if I <laughs> do some analogies with what I do, it'll feel shallow. But I will say what you're describing, like the reason why there's hesitance to cross a line or to say what you actually believe about certain things, which is kind of what you're describing, is, um, one, you're will we maintain an audience if we do that? Will, or will people still view us as a journalist as journalists, right, versus advocates. Right. But also a lot of the people in your industry are similarly to mine are both takes, takes women and reporters and journalists. And it's hard to do both of those
0: things at once, I think. Except I would say it's impossible not to do both. Yeah. Like it's impossible to know about a subject and not have an opinion about it. I have never trusted people that are like, I don't know. Like I did all this reporting. Yes. But you have who to have knows a point of view. <laughs> right. <laughs> I also hate if everyone's mad at me, I must have done something right. That's that's a real that's a real pet <laughs> Okay. <peeve>. So that <laughs> that is
1: not in sports, if everyone's mad at you, you probably did something right.
0: <laughs> probably did something wrong. Yeah. Um I don't know. I think sometimes I feel like the other the other I mean the other thing I think about with this is um well I might as well put it out, is that there are Things that people think are true and have just assumed are true for so long. Yeah. Um, that only have only gotten called into question recently. Like, for instance, the fact that it's like a bunch of mostly um, white dudes that mm-hmm. are running things. Like, I think up until pretty recently, like, that would be something in sport. And, and I'm talking about sports. Yeah. It's mostly white dudes running things in politics, too. Something we have in common. Yes, we get that um, industry. But it was yeah. just never thought of as like, well, that's a thing. Right. What do you mean? Like, that's how what that's what things look like. <laughs> Absolutely. Or even,
1: I mean, you're a big college football fan. Yeah. It's only over the last 10 years that I think the consensus on whether or not college athletes should be paid has, forget moved, has even been drawn into question. That issue is, is a fairly recent phenomena,
0: And for a long time, nobody even thought it was a problem. People would be offended on a moral level if you said something about it. Like yes. they would be like, "You're doing something. You're ru- amateurism. You're like it's ruining, taking it. away my football, taking away my football." And also, like you're doing something to the sport by right. doing that. Which people get really protective about sports. They do. So one place where sports reporting has has entered into the realm of like it's so wrong, we have to say something. Like we can't just like pretend that there's sure. a both sides here. Uh, sexual harassment and sexual assault. Yes, you did a big cover story, Allie Raisman. Yes, yeah, uh, in June or July yeah. or something. Yeah, it had a. I think this might have been the cover line, which is "We have to stop treating. We have to. We have to start treating women differently in society." Oh, is the quote from her? The I quote think it her, was
1: um, the the way society
0: views women needs to change or something. The yeah, quote was yeah, something so, like that. So, you did a story about Allie Raisman, and it was about Larry Nasser. Mm-hmm. But the pull quote from the story from her was, we have to change the way society views women.
1: Yeah. I like that quote.
0: It's kind of a remarkable thing to be the takeaway of a sports story.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the cover of ESPN the magazine, yeah. Yeah. I think that story is... A good example of one where, and I don't mean my story about her, I mean the Nasser story writ large, is a good example of one where nobody thought about it until everybody agreed on it. So the story is about how she'd she'd become like one of the faces of Me Too, basically. And with Allie Reisman, everyone's like, and the Nasser stuff, Everyone, when I say everyone, I'm talking about society, looks at him and like, yep, evil villain, harassed, you know, pedophile, terrible, 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 did this horrible thing to hundred, hundreds of young women. But the reason it went on for decades is because they weren't believed for decades. And it wasn't until there was this mass movement and they found each other and people like Ellie Reisman, you know, this uh, two-time Olympian, came out that it actually caught people's attention at all. And so when you know we think about like how can this happen for so long, it's largely because it takes that many
0: people and someone like that for people to care at all. And also, I think, Kind of thought we were going is that no one cared and no one had an opinion on it until everyone had opinion on peanut because yes. that was when it was safe to have an opinion. On a hundred, that. exactly. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, and that, as she points out in the story, like this isn't the, her, like her quote points out. This isn't about gymnastics. Yes, this isn't about this is not only not just about Larry Nassar. It's not only about gymnastics, and we, it's not only even about these acts of sexual assault. It's about how we as a society view them and agree. I mean,
1: yes, when is it, quote-unquote, safe for everyone to go on our airwaves or whatever and say, wow, evil, bad, because we have sexual assaults and domestic violence, very different issues, but I'm just saying we have stories like that all the time in sports, and I don't want to say they're both sides because that's not quite it, but they aren't treated that same way with that same level of consensus and care and interest um, because they haven't reached that mass level where it feels like undeniable, perhaps. And they're still treated, I think, with—they're not taken as seriously as they should be.
0: Yeah, let's move—let's let's actually talk about that, because as a female football fan, this is probably the number one mm-hmm. thing I hear from my fellow feminists, is how can you watch that sport when there are so many, you know, athletes that do violence to women or have been accused of doing violence to women— and they're not; they appear not to be right. any consequences for it. There's such a really they see a lot of people I think who have criticisms of of football. I think college and pro who come of it from the progressive side. It's they've they see these things as intertwined. The violence and the incidents,
1: yeah, and the nature of the sport. I mean, that's the kind of. The thing no one really knows how to talk about, in because it's it's the same as it's with CTE and violence in general, and some of these things we don't know what the connection is, and it's it's frankly irresponsible in in on every case to draw a connection there or say that. And I also, domestic violence is not a football problem; it's a society problem. And when I watch a football game, there's you know. The vast, vast majority of players don't have these kinds of incidents, and so I feel uncomfortable making generalizations. What I do feel comfortable saying is that the league's done a terrible job of dealing with it, and I completely understand why female fans um, would not want to watch for that reason—not because wow, every player is X, Y, or Z, but because I'm watching a, a brand, an institution that doesn't take this issue seriously, and it's—I it, don't, you know—it's hard
0: to watch and hard to reconcile. And here's where I say sort of it goes back to what Ali Raisman was saying about. Larry Nasser which is that I agree like not every player and I I do think it's unfair to kind of link the violence on the field with domestic yeah. violence cuz quite frankly that violence on the field is much safer and and, and consensual most of them are able to compartmentalize <laughs> and it's it's a it's a thing that they're all participating in because they've agreed it's consensual violence in a way. Like, that sounds strange, but like it's and it's something that they're doing for money. Whatever. There's difference. There's there there maybe seem like they're metaphorically linked, but I don't even think that they are.
1: Well, I, I
0: will say I
1: did a story a couple years ago on a player named Michael Bennett, who's become a real social activist. And he told me that he's like, I had to teach myself to walk off the field and put that violent side of me. And he said, I know some players who still need to. They need to work on that. So I don't think it's totally disconnected, but i I definitely don't feel comfortable in every case saying going there, I suppose.
0: but I do think that the NFL, I mean, we can call it the NFL for doing a particularly bad job,
1: yes, dealing. <laughs> well, and, and I don't want to say relative other sports do a bad job too. Okay. I want to say yeah, I'll say that, but the NFL, again, is so much bigger than everything that it becomes the the sort of mirror for these issues. And it's really this is not to defend the NFL. but I have found a lot of times when people say what they want or they'll, they're angry with how the NFL is or not handling it, but they don't have an answer for how it should be handled because we're talking about, um, you know, a private company acting in a extrajudicial, like going where the law won't, right? Because you and I know th- um, the law often, the courts often won't handle these cases correctly, if at all, and it's really complicated and difficult. It's hard to bring charges and— so we're asking this league to step in and not only punish these guys, but make judgments and investigate. And
0: they're really not capable of doing that. I think is what I found. It's similar to what's happened on college campuses, yeah. In the asking universities to perform that role, yes, hundred percent. Here is what sort of where I I have not formulated like a, a solution. If I did, I would be, you know, offering it to the <laughs> <Please>. NFL. <laughs> But it does seem to me that it is appropriate for there to be professional consequences. Yes. Because there is one argument that I've heard that you hear from conservatives sometimes. It's kind of a variation on yours, which is a defense of the NFL. Like, I'm not going to—they are defending it by saying these are private corporations. This should be a matter for law. Like, how, you know, um, Kareem Hunt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why should he—why should the fans have to suffer because he got in a fight? You know, he didn't get a fight. Also, by the way, he did— Kick a woman, yes, literally while she was down. But I say no. There are professional consequences for private behavior. Completely, like there just are. But then maybe not if you're the president. And and it's a consumer-facing business. These are guys
1: they're putting on the field, and if that comes out, and then they put them on the field. Female fans are watching that and stuff, and it it makes total sense. But where I push back a little bit, I say, okay, well, when there's no video, how are they going to make those decisions? How are they going to Again, go where the law does not in terms of deciding what those consequences should
0: be. And it's it and gets I, really tricky. It, it is too tricky, but there are other businesses that have to yeah. undertake these same investigations. I think that they're just the not NFL, being criticized. Yeah. Well, like the no, until they do until they are. I yeah. mean, like, I mean, when Sorry. you see like, CBS is a just was in the news. Right. Once they did an investigation, it was like, oops, maybe this is a systemic problem, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that would that's sort of an interesting I wonder. You know, the yeah. NFL is so enormous, though, that it's hard to.
1: So I, I, when the Hunt case, my first thought was, okay, what well, yet again for people that aren't oh, huge sports me, fans, yes. we should probably
0: say Cream Hunt was a uh, Chiefs player mm-hmm. who was there. were videotape of him literally kicking a woman while that TMZ got that TMZ got by yes. paying for it <laughs> by paying for it. Yes, um, um, there are interesting r- sort of ripples here of of ethics and journalism and whatnot, yeah, what but, or what can the NFL do? Yeah. What can um
1: so my feelings about the NFL and how they handle domestic violence is they're really just reacting to the crowd. They're just licking their finger and holding up to the wind and seeing how angry people are. And if there's a video, people are angry. The cream Hunt charges were out there for months and nobody cared. Like, And I, I include media outlets in that. It wasn't a huge story because there was no video. Now, the NFL did was actually very proactive in a case before that a couple years ago. It had a huge investigation, went where the law did not. There was no video, and that was uh, Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott. They punished him, suspended him for six games, and people were outraged. So, in my mind, this inaction by the league was largely a response to that. But, and then you could, we could fault them for being so reactive generally, um, because I think they're literally just trying to forestall public anger. Now, that's what's so upsetting about all this, right? Because this isn't the NFL dictating morality, it's them responding to what they believe to be the perceived concerns of their fans,
0: America. And
1: America doesn't care unless there's
0: video. And that's where I sort of feel like I'm I I have to be a football fan. Like I have to. Like I someone's gotta be there. <laughs> like I I'm I wanna not opt out on this. Like I yeah. wanna I wanna be involved. Um, I don't... It's such a strange thing, though. I, I There was a long period in my life where I didn't care about football. And now I care so much and I have all these different reasons <laughs> that I do. Um, and I want to talk about that. Let's take another quick break. Want a New Year's resolution you can actually keep? And maybe this one is a resolution and not an intention. Don't go to the post office. Stop going to the post office. You do not have to go there to send your letters and packages. You can use stamps.com instead. Um... I talk about this every time I talk about stamps.com, but it is cool to be a corporation. Um, It is not cool to have to do some of the record keeping and um, paperwork of being a corporation. So I tend to put it off uh, and I do it at night, like usually while I'm listening to podcasts, actually. Um, It's just easier. I gave myself a treat. I'm like, hey, I'm going to do all that boring paperwork uh, and mail the stuff I have to mail while I listen to, oh, I don't know. How did this get made? And I use stamps.com because the post office is not open at the time when I finally get around to doing the paperwork. Stamps.com is the faster and more convenient way to get postage. You use your computer to print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere. And the mail carrier picks it up. There is no lugging to the post office. No more hassles. Stamps.com not only saves you time, it saves you money. With stamps.com, you get discounted postage rates you can't even get at the post office. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters, and there's no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. And right now, you can enjoy Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Start the new year off right. Go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Friends. That's Stamps.com, the podcast microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Friends. We are all looking for a fresh start this time of year. There's a theme to these ads. And uh, for a lot of us, again, New Year's is about setting that resolution to be healthy. I'm going to tell you once more, don't do that. Set an intention. And also, don't set it as a goal. Don't think, like, I'm going to be healthy. Think, what are things that I want to do that will make me healthier? Enter ritual the obsessively researched vitamin for women it is a a thing that you will like take pleasure in doing it's weird to say this about a vitamin but they do look really cool they smell minty if you take them first thing in the morning you will feel like you're starting your day off right and you can take them first thing in the morning because they do not upset your stomach Ritual Essential for Women is the multivitamin reimagined from D3 to omega-3. Ritual Essential for Women fills in the gaps in a woman's diet with that fresh minty flavor and no fishy aftertaste. It is traceable and transparent in its ingredients for obsessive label readers. All of Ritual's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients and their sources are 100% out there for the whole world to see. A subscription, it's easy to start. It's easy to snooze. I have snoozed mine, and they made it super, super easy. I sent an email, and they said, fine, you're snoozed. It wasn't one of those things where you like have to call, and then you have to like say, yes, this is what I want to do, and they just make it really hard for you to unsubscribe or to snooze. They just did it. It was really simple. Um, it seems like maybe it's still kind of a small company, which I like. It's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month, and again, it is a pleasure to take these. It is a thing you can feel good about doing for yourself. It's not a chore. You will feel good about feeling good. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Better health doesn't happen overnight, but start your year with Essentials for Women, a small step that helps create a healthy foundation for 2019 and beyond. Visit ritual.com slash friends to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash friends. Okay, let's talk about why we care about football. Great. Our emotional attachments to football. <laughs> besides the beauty of, of, of downs, metaphors embedded in downs. That's lovely. You became a football fan or sort of grew up as a fan mm-hmm. of the Seahawks with your dad. Yes.
1: I'm a daddy's girl in every sense, and especially in sports fandom. Um, we, I was Mariner, Sonic, Seahawks, everything, but he, football was always his main sport, and... I wrote a piece about it. This was actually I wrote this piece when I was a business journalist. <laughs> Just wrote it on Tumblr, and um, it was about how I got really back into the NFL after college, um, largely because I found that I don't know. I, I was still I'm still I'm super close to my parents, and you know we still had stuff to talk about, but often I would kind of feel like my dad and I didn't have as much in common anymore, especially that I was no longer in high school and in college working towards goals and all of that. And so I kind of got back into it around 2010 or 11 or so, and it was just something we could talk about every day. And I just loved that, and I still love it. And not just because it was nostalgic and the thing we talked about when I was young and, and all that, but because I've, I genuinely enjoyed having these conversations with him. It was like a, a shared passion. And really, that's I find why most people love the game is that the relationships they cultivate outside of it, whether it's like the friend you see at the sports bar that you chess bump with once a week or whatever, or the random person on the street who's wearing the same jersey. I don't know. I
0: find that's why people love sports the most. Do you have any feelings like why it was football? Why it wasn't—is it because, because it's his him. game, <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, and,
1: you know, we were talking earlier about why people love football, why Americans love football. Uh, I think for me, it was just that I knew it the best, and now I, I know it really well. Um, and there's some joy in being able to watch a play. Like, So I love basketball, and I follow it real closely, but I don't have extremely analytical insights while I'm watching a game. <laughs> Whereas when I'm watching football and I'm watching a play— and I'm watching like a really beautifully like we talked about the Chiefs. I love watching the Chiefs this season. I love Andy Reid's offense and some of the create the misdirection, the pre snap motions. I, so I'm able to watch the it no and, look passes. Oh, trem- I mean Mahomes. My goodness, how can you not love that? But it's nice to
0: see a Big Twelve offense like playing in the NFL. Uh, that's not going to be the last. I'll tell yeah. you that. Um, we can explain that for people <laughs> or not. I don't know. Let's just keep it as it's just fun. But, yeah. You know.
1: Um, but yeah. So I love I love it because I I feel it, it's there's like a code that I know that. Not everyone knows, and, you know, there's, like, joy and expertise, I suppose. As opposed to amateurism.
0: Yeah. (laughs) As opposed to amateur hour with guys, yeah.
1: My hockey podcast.
0: Um, I I think— Power play. That's it. There's—if we want to come full circle, that's a way that, you know, sports and politics are different. It's hard to sort of find that connection of just, like, shooting the shit about politics— I, maybe not I was gonna say like there's something more universal about sports and that you can it's an, it's not threatening to like get in a yes. really intense conversation about sports most of the time most of the time <laughs> even if it's someone that doesn't have isn't a f- fan of the same team yes like we can joke about that but for the most part like, Unless someone's, like, a Baylor fan, I'm not, like, going to be personally offended. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Like, Like,
1: a guy in an Eagles hat and a Cowboys hat sitting together on a plane is very different from a guy in a Make America Great hat and a Hillary T-shirt sitting
0: together on a plane. Yeah, although it's interesting you choose—I mean, maybe the Eagles are not the best example (laughs) (laughs) because of, like, a a nondescript fan, but yeah. Yes. Um, But, but, see, we can make jokes about certain fan bases, but for the most part, I would say, um, like, a Giants fan and a Vikings fan. Mm-hmm. Which is just like, Chill. I mean, they could definitely talk about like failures at quarterback together.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I talked about the code that I feel like I've unlocked with football, but in general, so my husband. Not there's nothing fan. like that, and there's nothing like that in politics. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that in politics. So, so my husband's not in sports at all, but he through osmosis and my job learned stuff, and he tells me it's given him, it's like unlocked this whole world to him where he could be in an Uber and just have a conversation. With some guy or, you know, at on the airplane or whatever,
0: because it is this weird universal language that so much of the country speaks. It is probably, I I, I think it is honestly one of the reasons I have the good relationship I have with my in-laws. <laughs> I, it really is, is that yeah. when we're, you know, when we feel the tensions of our political differences coming to the front, like— Oh, man, are they going to keep Eli for another year? Ugh, much easier. <laughs> much easier. Yeah. And we might have strong opinions about that. Yeah. Or we can just or even more, even a a, a better way to take conversation with is like, God, we are sure we're smart to take Saquon. <laughs> right. Like people yeah.
1: doubted that. But they, like, they were not. But yeah. <laughs> but this is why the Kaepernick thing was such a big oh God, deal. It, it because it, it, was,
0: it, yeah. it, it
1: suddenly merged those two. It no longer became this sort of refuge for polite conversation and it's still not okay and because it, it is like the the merging of these two worlds that we're talking about and suddenly everything became really loaded mm-hmm. it still is
0: yeah i i, I there was a, a specific day that um i decided i i didn't want to talk about politics with main laws and so i turned on espn And it was me screaming about Colin Kaepernick. I'm sorry. (laughs) It wasn't. I don't know if it was you personally. I wish I could blame you personally, but it was Colin Kaepernick. And there was this like moment of like, do we really do we want to watch this right now? Yeah. But and it's a conversation that
1: should be had. And that's the thing, right? Like they did like Colin Kaepernick did what
0: he set out to do. He did. And I will say that um, we did have the conversation. How did it go? (laughs) It didn't go well. But you know what? I, I, I think I know more about both myself, about, you know, the relative I was talking to. And I think I probably know a little bit more about the world because yeah. of that, which is, I, again, Colin Kaepernick set out to do to do that. Yes. And he succeeded. Do you think well, maybe we'll what's your hot take about Kaepernick himself? Which I mean, really I ever give you, play I, really ever play in the NFL again, I, well, so because there's been some failures at quarterback um past few years, but people have been like, there's this you got there's somebody sitting on the, you know, there's somebody out there that could take this job. He absolutely
1: should be in the NFL. I did a story a couple of years ago on Aaron Rodgers, and he was one of the first. Um, quarterbacks come out and say, this isn't, like, how I should be in the NFL at the time. It was a very... It was political. A little bit. It, it was political. But i and, if Aaron Rodgers said it, then it's not that political. Well, <laughs> it, it was funny because there was so much power in him saying that, Anna, because at the time, um, you had a lot of anonymous NFL sources. This is where politics say, right? Um, saying, well, he's not in the NFL because his style of play is no longer, you know, he runs the read option and no, that's dead and stuff. To have the greatest quarterback in the NFL come out and say, that's ridiculous was such a powerful counter to those arguments, which I thought were specious. Um, Since then, it's kind of become a no-brainer. Obviously, we've seen so many terrible quarterbacks who are so much worse than him. Every statistical case you can make is ridiculous. And most recently, um, the Washington football team lost their quarterback and then their backup quarterback, and resorted to starting Colin Kaepernick's backup who hadn't thrown in seven years. So it, now it's just kind of a, a joke, right? I mean, and, and the coach came out would Wouldn't said, it be
0: something if Colin Kaepernick played for the Washington well, that's, football team? That's,
1: yes, that's a whole other <laughs> issue. Because, and I think that's, that is part of the fear is that if they were to bring him on, he would say something yeah. about it, and that is not something that— the owner of the Washington football team would enjoy. Do you refuse to say the Washington football's uh, mascot on the air? I try not to, but sometimes I forget. But I would prefer not to say it. But I, for, I sometimes
0: do. You sucks. remember? There was a hot second where actually, like the NFL broadcasters were trying not to do it. There I was, think like some of
1: the local. I I know that like the Buffalo one didn't do it. Of course, that became a
0: a story because it's yeah. politics, PC
1: culture, and football, or whatever. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to it's think scary. about what you might be able to offer. Not a lot. Amateurism. Amateurism. It's amateur hour with Mina and Ana. I love that idea, actually. The Toronto Maple Leafs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really
1: blowing out my own spot here because I really do give hockey takes on Around the Horns. You really do? Very rarely,
0: fortunately. Do they know not to go to you?
1: Um, well, they have to on that show, which is it's a around shame. the horn. People yeah, we have it, horn. It's like, I usually do my research, so I'll, I'll read someone smarter than me and say, "Well, this person
0: said that's another to get out of it." It's another good way to like kind of you know a classic, classic move have a crush in political conversations. But I don't have anything left, um, unless there's something you want to. No, thanks for having me. This has been fun. I think you're ready to. We're, we can switch roles now I, that I know you do takes. My two. dream, honestly, <laughs> like I w- was. So delighted to write the story I did for Sports Illustrated. It was, like, uh, a <laughs> highlight of my life. Loved I know it. my dad, like, <laughs> you know, was super embarrassed by it, but also probably one of the most proud moments of his life.
1: That's amazing. Like, I'm getting
0: teary, like.
1: No, it's, I mean, my, listen, my dad, we're just, let's just do this. My dad <laughs> still screenshots when I'm on ESPN and still frames my covers and stuff because, it's his literally what he grew up loving the most and the best thing of all of it is he now you know I surpassed him in football knowledge because it's my job a long time ago and my dad being awesome and not at all like you know threatened by that kind of thing just constantly asks me for questions Like, like or asks me questions about the game and I love
0: that anyway Mina it's been really great having you thanks for having me and that is it for the show as you know, since you're listening to this final segment, this is the part where I usually assume I'm talking to super fans. So hi, super fan that you are. You know who else I'm talking to in this segment right now? I am talking to the future producer of With Friends Like These because we are looking for a producer. And one of the major qualifications of that producer is being a fan of the show. If you are interested, you should go to crooked.com slash crooked careers. Again, that's crooked.com slash crooked careers and scroll down a bit and you will see with friends like these producer, ends 15 hours a week. That is a little bit negotiable, but it's not a fully full-time job. Uh, so if you are someone with podcast experience or radio experience, and you're looking to fill a hole in your life or a hole in your heart, please consider applying for this job. Uh, you will then send, I believe, like a resume and a cover letter to jobs at crooked.com. If you want to contact the show for another reason, let's say you are interested in having me and a guest, TBD, answer a question about the intersection of politics and relationships. We are going to get back to responding to those listener emails on the air. And you can send those emails to with friends like Pod at gmail.com and the reason we don't have a cricket.com address for that is cuz multiple people use that um, address and they have really tight security on those cricket.com email addresses. So, hmm, gmail. Again, that's with friends like Pod at gmail.com. Thank you future producer for making it this far on the show. Thank you everyone else for listening even though you may not be a future producer of the show and please everyone remember